And welcome to AFL Rewind, a look back at all things arena football, sponsored by Phenom Elite. I'm your host, Tim Capper. Well, as I look at these series of historical podcasts that I'm doing, and from day to day, you know, I will see these little items that happen to pop up on our On This Day in Arena Football League history, you know, whether it be on our social media accounts or whether it be on arenafan.com, you know, I look at them and I look at you know, these interviews that I'm doing, uh, they actually mean a little bit more. Um, and I think the reason is, is that they will give each other, you know, these stories will actually give these historical items context within the AFL and within AFL history. Because, you know, it could be just a, you know, 15 to 20 words of, of something that occurred on a particular date. But then having these these players, coaches, etc. come in and actually give context it actually, you know, means a lot more when it comes and gives a little bit more of the story. And that, that, that's what I'm loving about this. This episode was a very unique episode. And it's not necessarily because of the player that we had um, on the podcast. It just was the, I feel the, not only the raw emotion that I seem to get for this episode, but also the, the challenge of, uh, of editing it uh, and uh, bleeping out certain things that, Shouldn't be said, but it wasn't because of, of of the sheer amount. It's just because of the sheer passion that came across during this episode. And that's what I love it. That's what I loved about it. Um, so if if you were a Tampa Bay Storm fan, you will know who this guy was, whether he was your quarterback or whether he was an assistant head coach. Or if he happened to be an assistant head coach, whatever he was for your team uh, in the last couple years of the AFL. Let's go ahead and we're gonna speak with Shane Stafford. This episode of the podcast, we have a gentleman who has, uh, he was more a player before the initial, uh, with the original Arena Football League, uh, had a slight stint in the, the new, I'll call it the AF2 League, but either way, you want to hear fun about his career as a player and then becoming a, a very known and respected coach in the Arena Football League, eight-year veteran of the Arena Football League, Shane Stafford. Hey, Shane, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, Tim. How you doing? Doing fine. Uh, you know, even in this strange time that we're currently living in, but uh, it's it's all about uh, uh, getting back to hopefully the quote unquote norm or whatever the norm will be. So it's uh, that's I think it's all all that matters, right? Very well said. Exactly. We don't know what it's going to be, but we're going to make the most of it right now. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, for those who don't know, you started off originally as. Uh, as a quarterback for the Tallahassee Thunder in AF2, uh, I came across a story that basically said that this is a team. It's, it's actually it's funny. It kind of kind of mimics the, the current situation with your, your last team that you were on as as a coach. But Tallahassee got started late, and were I guess they were awarded in a franchise. Uh, well, I think it was a month or a month and a half before the beginning of the season in AF2. How did you get involved with the with the Thunder, and then uh, who introduced you to the uh, to the arena, the game of arena football? Actually, uh, wow, you've actually brought me into something that I didn't even know, Tim, um, <laughs> uh, regarding the fact that uh, Tallahassee only had a month or two to get a team. 
no wonder I was on the, uh, the, the short end of that tale. Um, <laughs> but no. So here's how everything started. And, and there are stories to everybody's, um, you know, everybody's tale. Right. And here's how it went. So I go to my high school coach after I get out of college, 1998, 99, that era. And uh, my high school coach knows a guy by the name of Luganville. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows uh, Tom Luganville. Yes. You know, he's the, uh, on ESPN, he's doing all the stuff, uh, talking about how, you know, Tom Luganville is taught, he, he's the guru right now. Well, his father was an NFL Europe coach. So Tom Luganville's father, I think it was Tim Luganville, if I'm not mistaken, was my high school coach's coach, uh, one of the coaches when he played at Arizona state way back when, like in the seventies or whatever. So he calls him up. He's like, Hey, uh, my high school coach, Jerry Slemmer calls him up and, and who, by the way, coached, uh, Chad Henney and, and, uh, Kerry Collins and myself. Um, so he calls up Tom Luganville or Tim Luganville. I, I forget. They, you know, Tom, Tim, you know, whoever it is. Yeah. He calls up what Al Luganville. Oh my God. So it was Al Luganville. I'm sorry. It's okay. So he calls up Al Luganville. Next thing you know, Al Luganville is like, well, I'm no longer in NFL Europe. Why don't you call my son? Call his son, Tim Luganville. Uh, next thing you know, um, Tom Luganville. I'm sorry. Again, I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. So Tom Luganville, is, he's the guy, again, still in the ESPN doing all this stuff. And uh, so he coached an arena football team in Tennessee called the Tennessee Valley Vipers. Right. So the Tennessee Valley Vipers in Arena 2, I call him up. I was like, hey, you know, uh, your dad, you know, told me to call you. And he's like, oh, my God. He's like, yeah, I saw your film. I saw your buddy's film, who my buddy he meant was a wide receiver called Carl Bond, who uh, was an arena guy. He was uh, in the arena league for about four or five years as an offensive specialist. And uh, he was like, I wish you would have called me earlier because I've already signed two guys, but here's, I'm going to put you in contact with somebody else. So he put me in contact. Here's the thing, Tim. Nobody supposedly had anything going on. So me and my boy from Connecticut, we drove down from Pennsylvania. Okay. Drove all the way down to Tallahassee. We left on Wednesday night, Thursday morning at like, at like three in the morning, whatever, Thursday. We get down there on Friday. We have a workout in Tallahassee on Saturday morning. We stay at a friend's place. Uh, um, and don't even know who this guy is. Stay at his place. We work out. We end up making the team. We show out in 2000. I set all kinds of arena records in the deuce with touchdowns and this and that. Our team sucked, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but... Carl Bond, he, he was like the first AF2 or AFL player in general to catch over 100 catches, I think, in a season. He had over 40 touchdowns that season. Um, I completed, I threw for like 85 touchdowns or whatever. And next thing you know, I get, uh, that's how I got to the deuce, man. We drove back all the way back up to Pennsylvania and Connecticut the next day after our workout, not even knowing if we're going to like be a part of it. And we're like, you know, basically pooping our pants. Like, what did, what did we just do? <laughs> and it ended up working out for us. 
it ended up working out. Well, consider, yeah, as you said, I mean, the team, the, your 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 time in Tallahassee, I mean, as you said, the team was 5-11. and 11, And you were a monster, as you said. I mean, you threw for almost 4,400 yards and 85 touchdowns. And as you said, Carl Bond was basically, you were, uh, he was your Eddie Brown, I guess we'll say, in your early career. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, what he was, absolutely was. What was your early reaction to the game itself? Because obviously you're coming out of Connecticut, you know, and you want to. You're you're playing a different type of football for the very first time. What was your initial reaction to the game itself? Um, what am I doing? <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> like uh, my my first two, uh, I think my first two completions were uh, directly to the jack. And I hit him in the face. <laughs> Don't tell anybody else that. But no, it was it was honestly in terms of you know when you say fast, it's it's not any faster than the NFL, but things are tighter, so they happen quicker. So um, with that being said, you got to make sure that you're doing things at a quicker um, you know quicker pace. Right. So it it was just uh, it was a lot of fun. And it was something that I truly enjoyed um, as far as being able to do, hands down. It just totally, totally um, showed me a different way that the game can be played. Um, wait, did you feel that you got used to as time went on, or was it one of those games you're like, yeah, this, I mean, I said you balled out during that season. You had an amazing season, even though the team had only won, won, you know, won five games. So you must have caught on quite quickly, I would imagine. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, there there are times where like um, you know you just kind of the thing about the arena league, especially at that level, it became more of a one on one matchup. Okay. And I knew that uh, Carl Bond, um, Shank, my my receiver, I'm talking about, he was better than eighty five percent of the DBs that he went against. Okay. So I knew I was going to win those if I put the ball up. And we played college football together for four years, literally. Um, He started as a freshman. I started as a freshman, as redshirt freshman. So we literally played four years together. And um, so it it was – and then we went down there. So we literally had now – you're talking about five, six years of playing together. And he would tell me, hey, just throw it up high or throw it low or throw it here. And I'd be like, yo, I'm going to throw it here. If he plays you like this, I'm going to throw it there. And, um, that's what the AFL turned out to be for me. Um, at that level. Okay. Now, when I got to the, to the, uh, the next level, yep. I didn't have that, uh, that kind of, uh, relationship with guys right away. Now there were some guys that had no doubt about it, I had an immediate rapport with, no doubt, and uh, I was able to do it right away. And that's that's where you see greatness. It really is, Tim. Like you see guys that connect with their quarterback and wide receiver. That's just greatness waiting to happen. Like sort of like uh, Mike Pulaski and an Eddie Brown, or a uh, uh, that yeah that you know that type of thing, or you know uh, Dan Radabaugh and the. Uh, and Money Reynolds as an example too. So yeah, that's I, I can I can, yeah. I can I fully understand what you're saying. Now, obviously, with you balling out in, in 2000, you're already in Florida. How how did you get? Uh, who introduced you to the storm and and you graduated so to speak from AF2 to the AFL? Oh my goodness, my man Ron Seleski. 
Ron Teleski was uh, this guy. I'm telling you, he should go down as an AFL legend as well. You talk about finding talent. Um, not just saying because he found me. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tim. I mean, let's be honest. I'm a great talent. But um, <laughs> I'm just kidding with you, man. I'm kidding. <laughs> humble. You're so humble, Shane. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. No, no, seriously, uh, no, kiddingly. Um, but no, Ron Teleski, he, um, he was, oh, Shiza, if you knew me, trust me, you know I'm totally messing with myself oh, there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he ended up um, calling, because um, we were in Tallahassee, and uh, Carl Bond and I, and uh, we were up there in Tallahassee, and next thing you know, he's like, hey, you want to come play for Tampa? And I was like, yeah, sure. He's like, well, it's not that easy. Do you want to play for Tim Markham? And, well, we have these open tryouts. You can come down here and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if you know anything about Ron Selesky, but Ron Ron has a uh, permanent stutter. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, yeah, and Ron stutter, it's amazing, though. Like, the more comfortable he is with you, mm-hmm. the, the, the less his stutter is. Um, and so as you start to talk to him and everything, you start to notice that you're like, whoa, his stutter, is it? Is this guy messing with me kind of thing? Or, But um, the guy's awesome, man. He's genuine. He's 100%. He knows his stuff. And uh, matter of fact, he was with the XFL. I think he was with the uh, uh, Alabama team uh, he was down t- there. He was with Tampa Bay. Uh, oh, he was with Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, so this guy, man, I'm telling you, when this, when you talk about a guy that knows talent, like, and everything like that, and I'm not saying it's just cause he brought me in and everything, but he is a guy that did bring me in and brought Carl Bond in. And, uh, next thing you know, we come down to work out, we blow it up. And, um, I used to drive when I was still in Tallahassee, check this out, Tim, when, uh, when I first signed back in 2000, 2001, going into that 2001 season, I literally would drive four and a half hours from Tallahassee to Tampa every weekend for about two months. And I would pay with it with my own gas money and everything to come down and work out with the, uh, with the people in Tampa. And, uh, I did that not because I was worried about losing my job. I did that because I wanted to earn my starting job. Okay. So understand the difference there. I didn't do it because I was worried about losing a spot. I did it because I wanted to gain a spot. You know what I mean? Like it's a different mentality in that respect. And, um, a lot of people don't know that about me. Like I literally would drive in one day. I would drive four and a half hours one way, work out for two and a half hours and then drive back to Tallahassee. And so I basically drove nine hours to work out for three hours. And I thought it was what I needed to do in order to uh, give myself an opportunity to potentially compete for a starting spot over a guy by the name of John Kaleo. And, um, you know, John thought he deserved it, and I thought I deserved it as well. And I wanted that job. Um, And, uh, you know, I wanted to show Coach Markham that I'm serious about this thing called arena football. And I'm not just here, you know, to, to fool around with and whatnot. And, um, so put that work in and thankfully Ron Seleski 
without him, I don't think I would have gotten that opportunity. What was your, what was your, and I, I, you're one of the, the many, many people in the Arena Football League who have had the, had the pleasure of being either coaching with or being a player of Coach Markham. What was your, what was your first reaction f- uh, about Coach Markham and his coaching style? Here's a funny quick story. So I go in, <laughs> I go to Tim Markham, I go in his office and we're talking and I was like, we, I forget what we were talking about. Check this out, Tim. And he was like, so uh, why do you think, uh, why do you feel you should be a part of this team? I said to him, literally, I'm 24, 25, naive. I said to him, I was like, well, you remind me of my grandfather. Like, my grandfather was so hard on me and such a jerk and such a, you know, things I can't say. Right. And he used to touch me out. all, And I meant it to be a compliment. But the way I said it, Marco's face totally turned and was like, huh? He looked at me sideways like, you, you know, asshole. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And I was like, no, I said, I mean this in a a complimentary way. So I had to backpedal out of that um, because I I told him he looked like my grandfather on the field. (laughs) But, um, you know. (laughs) Go ahead. No, I was gonna say. It, I mean, what, it was he. Uh, obviously, everybody knows the 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 history of the legend that is Coach Markham. I mean, for you, were you? Was it somebody that you as being his quarterback? Were you able to get along with him at first? Were you not able to get along with him at first? How how was your relationship being a quarterback under under uh, under Coach Markham? It was strange. I didn't get along with it. Well, let's put it this way. I feared the guy at first. Right. I'll be straight up honest with you. I got so many stories about that. I could tell you the story when I dressed up as him for Halloween. I could tell you the story <laughs> about uh, when uh, when I came to the first practice of two-a-days, and I was, went to him, and uh, I looked at him like, hey, what, co- what play do you want me to run? He looks at me. He's like, where's your place? Where your, where's your playlist, uh, son? What the hell you want me to do? You want me to play for you? Um, what story do you want to hear first? <laughs> it wasn't the best at first, I'll tell you that. But um, respect came because he knew I, didn't, I would not back down. He knew that I would always get up from any hit. And he knew that, um, that and, and respect was mutual because once he understood the heart I, I had and, and what I wanted to do as a football player mm-hmm. and as a perk, he, uh, he truly respected that. And I always loved and respected him um, with, with how he went about his business with the love of the game. Um, you were a backup for most of the, of the yeah, about three quarters of the year, but you actually got your first start. And correct me if I'm wrong, it was week 14 of 01 versus the Nashville Cats. Um, you, yeah. you, you did quite well. You did quite well as, as the starting quarterback. What, uh, for those who don't remember, wh- why were you thrust into action as being starting quarterback? It seemed for week 14 and week 15 of that, of that season. Yeah. Well, what happened was, uh, John Kaleo that season, he ended up hurting, I think his shoulder. And a lot of people don't know this, but I went in against, um, I think it was a team from, uh, Texas. Yeah, the I forget Bears. what team it was. The Thunder Bears. Yeah, and a lot of those guys were like, "Man, we thought we were going to win that game until John. Once he got hurt, mm-hmm. I ended up being eight for eleven that game, 
and and uh, six out of uh, those eight passes went for touchdowns. So, um, and that was only in two and a half quarters. Wow. So then the next, uh, yeah, for like, I don't know, not that I keep track, but it was like 140-some yards. I don't know. It might have been more. <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. People take People, people always remind you. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. So the next week, oh, trust me, um, my eyes got wide open. I went against some of the best pass rushers ever um, against that team in Nashville. And uh, man, I, I, I'm telling you, my eyes were wide open that next week. And then the following week, we played uh, to get into the playoffs. We played New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, against New Jersey, I had, I had thrown a touchdown pass basically to win the game on the snap, like at the end of the game, literally with no time left, I got the snap from center. The center stepped on my foot. I fell backwards, got up and threw the ball to, uh, for a touchdown, uh, falling backwards again before the D lineman could touch me. It was a crazy, crazy scenario. So it was it was nuts with everything, but it was fun. Did it? Uh, were you disappointed when you weren't really able to take part in in, the, in your very first playoffs that year? Yes, it bothered me a lot. Yeah. No doubt. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I thought I should have been the starter, but you know what? Respectfully, I get it. Um, I I think to be honest with you, I think I thoroughly outplayed John um, in the preseason game. That's when we had two preseason games. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, both, uh, and in both games, I thoroughly outplayed him. I think I was like, you know, 90% completion and, uh, no picks and this and that. And, you know, John will tell you something different. That's fine. And I get that. Um, but at the same time, I do respect the fact that, you know, John's a vet and he deserves, I guess, the spot to, to lose. And, um, I, I do believe that, um, against, uh, Albany, he came back too soon, um, and his shoulder, I still think, hurt him. And, uh, you know, Albany had a great scheme against us, and they jumped a lot of John's route. I think he threw four picks that game. So uh, it is what it is. But uh, we can't look back. But, uh, yeah, I think I would have had a a profound impact in that game. You know, um, I'm not going to say anything different. Uh, I, I truly believe I would have. Uh, two thousand two is where you really started to make a name for yourself, and you were finally considered, a, you know, a an AFL star, a star quarterback. You didn't actually start the very first game though in two thousand two versus Toronto. You actually were, uh, you, I guess, you were benched for the first game. But you, uh, in week two, that's when the, uh, I guess we can say uh, the the story of uh, of Shane Stafford begins as quarterback in the Arena Football League. Um, what, what do you remember specifically about that 2002 season? Yeah, that, that was a crazy season for me, Tim. Um, and it's not that I was benched it, it, that season. Um, that's when John came back right. and, um, karma is a, uh, uh, a son of a gun. Yeah. And, uh, we were getting our butts whooped by Toronto. Whooped. And, um, John's out there, and it's like the fourth quarter and whatnot, third or fourth quarter. No, it's the fourth quarter, and he goes, he fumbles a snap. John has never fumbled a snap. I've never seen Kaleo fumble a snap. And he fumbles it. He goes down to get it, and he blows his knee out. Oh. I'm like, oh, man, that stinks. 
and there's like no time basically left in the game. So basically, like he here's a guy who lost his year, you know, and and I don't care how much I want to start. I don't ever want to start that way. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. that's just BS. That that's that's not how I go. That's not how I go about my business. And yeah, John ended up freaking blowing his knee out, and I felt so bad for him. And you know, it, to this day, I I mess with him. Say you're dumb behind. Went and dove for it <laughs> for what for what reason? Mm-hmm. Like you were down by four touchdowns. Man, just let, why would you put yourself in jeopardy? So anyway, you know, he's going to say, oh, I was competing, whatever. whatever. Yeah, no, stupidity plays a part too. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but the point is after that, that's when I came in yeah. and uh, yeah. And that's when I kind of had the opportunity. And that year was a tough year, man. It was, it wasn't all ice cream and cupcakes. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Um, I'll, I, you know, like the year prior, you did make it to the playoffs. I think it, it came down to a, a an overtime game versus Georgia to steal to get you guys a a playoff spot that you because you're only six and eight that year. Um, what was yeah. it like having to go on the road? I mean, you're in Tampa, and, and history for Eastern teams going west in the Arena Football League has never been very kind at all. What was it like going from Tampa yeah. to L.A. for your first playoff game that year? Uh, oh. I'll tell you what, I, I'll tell you that here, to this day, Tim, nobody knows what's going on in my head to this day. Mm-hmm. And I promise you this, that was a turning point in my entire career. Really? Because, yes, if we lose that game, I will never, ever be heard of again as a starting quarterback. We lost that game. That was the year Tim Markham got suspended, right? So we were out in L.A. earlier that year because we beat – L.A. that game. That's the game you're talking about, right? The playoff game yep, yep. where we beat them? Yeah. Yep. So earlier that year, we go out to L.A. and Tim Markham was suspended. Pat O'Hara, who's now coaching with, with Tennessee uh, with the Titans, he was the head coach. And uh, it was one of my worst games ever. And we got our behinds whooped. So I'm thinking to myself, well, Tim Markham's back now. Okay. So we, I'll never forget this, Tim. I go out. I ate sushi the night before. And the reason I know and remember all this is I knew that this was either going to make or break my arena football career. Mm-hmm. I had one sake bomb and one beer and some great sushi out in L.A. I went to bed, woke up the next morning, and I said to myself, this better be the best game you've ever played in your arena football career, or you're not going to be the starter for the Tampa Bay Storm ever again. I go out, I think I'm like 22 for 28, seven touchdowns, one interception, I think. Dead on. And, Dead uh, on. <laughs> yep. And uh, we ended up blowing them out. And that was one of the best games I've ever played to date. Most important games. And then the next week you stay out West. Um, yeah. And then you go to San Jose for, I think it's the chance to go to the arena bowl. Um, oh. And you know, it's, it, you guys come up short. It's only a seven, you know, it is a, I think it's what seems to be like a last second touchdown by James Rowe with about a minute 30 left in the fourth quarter. That was the difference in the game. Um, are, are you yeah. the type of player that 
would you rather get blown out in a playoff game or would you, ra- or would you rather have something like this? Because I know play- different players can be different on, on how they would rather lose a game in the playoffs. No, I always, I always want to be competitive. Yeah. Never, ever do I want to – never, ever do I want to be that guy that, oh, well, let's just concede and let's move on. Right. No. Uh-uh. Nope. I mean, it's. Uh, you, I mean, you didn't have yeah, yeah, the bad game. I mean, you're 14 to 39, 268 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. But you know, it, yeah, it, it's the first. It was, yeah, I was gonna say that that game. Here's now. You know what I said about that last game with uh, L.A. Right. Things were going great. Uh, San Jose. They had a. Uh, they had their backup. As a matter of fact, that was a come out party for their backup quarterback, who did a great job. Um, we were. Balling. We were kicking their ass out there. Lawrence Samuels just picked off a screen. We're up by 16 or 17, 18 points in the third quarter. Well, the thing is, as much as I love Coach Markham, God rest his soul, we ran one play the entire rest of the game. And then we couldn't get open and we couldn't get off press coverage. And the biggest thing I messed up on is freaking Barry Wagner, yeah. one of the game's greatest. I underthrew a corner route, and he picked it off in the early fourth quarter that would have put us up by two more. It would have put us up by, like, nine or something. Yeah. And if I would have hit that touchdown, game over. But I missed it short, picked off. They end up scoring. They go for two. Now it's a three-point game. They're feel. Now, the other thing is, this is where we got screwed up. Coach Markham, he got too fancy, in my opinion. And I don't want to talk about the dead, but Coach, God bless your soul, sir. Um, You know, as I look up at you, he tried to get too fancy because I had to throw the last play left-handed where it was tied. It was a tie ball game. He didn't want to kick the the, the, the field goal because he knew how good they were. And so, uh, yeah, it ended up we lost by one score. And the thing about that, Tim, we also wanted to stay out there because we had to go out to L.A., we flew back, then we had to go back out to San Jose in in a two-week span. So guys' legs got tired. That's it. I was, that, but I do take that blame. I was going to ask you that question, man. That's 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 tough. You would think you would have hoped that they would have kept you kept you out uh, out west, but I guess maybe at the time you didn't know who you were going to be playing after you beat L.A. So it's. Um, oh no, we knew we were playing San Jose because okay. San Jose had just beaten. Uh, they beat uh, Orlando with Jay Gruden. Okay. Uh, yeah, they whooped Jay Gruden's behind, so I don't feel so bad. <laughs> Um, <laughs> one game, one game short to make, to making the arena bowl. And then I, I saw kind of a change for you. You actually were out of the arena league in 2003 because you, you tried your, your hand at, at uh, in the, the world league. How, how did that come about? No, that was awesome. I will say that. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to, Tim, I wanted to get to the top of the, uh, of the peak and I wanted to compete against the best. That was my goal. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, what's ironic is the offense coordinator from San Jose Sharks, uh, put a good word in for me in about me to the NFL. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know this until, uh, moving forward when I was with the, uh, 
with the Cleveland Browns. But, yeah, when uh, I went to NFL Europe, got a chance to know Gene Dalquist, who was uh, the Scottish Claymore's head coach. He coached uh, at the University of Texas. Um, he's a great, great guy, unbelievable offensive mind, uh, just a good dude. And, yeah, so I went to the NFL Europe League, uh, and then the Patriots ended up signing me. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it, it was awesome, man. It was it was such a great experience being in Scotland. And uh, I would never, ever – the only thing that if I were to regret, it, regret anything – it would be the fact that I lost a year playing arena football. But other than that, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, uh, the other thing, too, and I don't mean to harp on it, too, you didn't get to take part in winning an arena bowl. That is true. Yes. That 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 was tough. It, it was. And, um, you know, but I was so happy. Here's the thing, Tim, you got to understand. Like, that year mm-hmm. when we lost out in uh, San Jose, yeah. Everybody knew it, that next year that Tampa Bay was going to be something to be reckoned with yeah. because we we were coming on strong. I think to make the playoffs the year prior, I think we had to win like four out of our last six or like six. Out, I don't know, something crazy. We had to win some uh, crazy amount of games in order to win, or I'm sorry, just to get into the playoffs. And then we whooped L.A.'s behind who beat us <laughs> bad in LA the uh, five or six weeks prior and uh, we had some great pass rushers that were added on had some great DBs had some great offensive linemen um, and then Freddie Solomon got healthy Freddie missed that whole year uh, the year prior he got healthy so we had two-way players T.T. Tolliver he was like learning the game again and you know, one of the best uh, all-time receivers ever, DBs to ever play this game. So um, we all knew, and that was a tough choice for me, Tim. Yeah. I would tell you this. That was hard for me because um, I knew how good we were going to be. But I also knew that if I ever had a chance to play in the NFL, this might be it. Right. And the other thing on top of that, Tim, is, how loyal is Tim Markham going to be to me or how loyal is he going to be to John Kaleo? Right. Because John was just coming off that injury and he was like an eight year vet. Here I am a guy that had a good year, not a great year, a good year showed some signs of uh, progression. What is the head coach going to think? Yeah. So I ended up you know, saying to myself, you know what, if I'm going to have any chance, I'm going to take a chance at the NFL now. Hey, you know, I can always come back to the Arena League. And that's how I came about that choice. And I'm so happy that those guys won the Arena Bowl. I really am. I'll never forget watching it. I was in the stands. I was following them when I was in NFL Europe in Scotland. It was such a great thing to see. And you're talking about uh, dedication and stuff like that and, and loyalty. You come back, you, you know, you come back to, with the Tampa Bay Storm in 04, and you are the starting quarterback. So it, it kind of, I guess it kind of showed you uh, what, what type of man that, that uh, Coach Markham actually was when it comes to being loyal to a quarterback. Yes, sir, which a lot of people weren't, weren't sure of. 
And, uh, you know, John, John ended up going to, uh, to Austin, uh, with the Wranglers mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, he, and coach Markham, man, that's my guy, man. I love that guy to death. And, uh, yeah, he, he gave me a great opportunity to come back and, and, uh, you know, I struggled a little bit during that year, adjusting again from the outdoor game to the indoor game. Uh, and, uh, but he stuck with me. And you want to talk about one of the most loyal, greatest people. Coach Markham is that, man. And our relationship, it grew so much during that year. Um, it's People have no idea what he was going through that year. People have no idea how we got together as a team, even though we struggled a little bit um, and we didn't have a successful year like we thought we were going to uh, coming off. A lot, of, a lot of players left after that championship year, uh, but I made sure that I was going to be, you know, one of the mainstays and I was going to be a guy that supported him and, and we just went forward. Uh, looking at the you know for the for the years i mean you uh, again in 04 you made the playoffs you guys are nine and seven you got knocked off it's funny what about what is it without you and san jose you get knocked off by san jose in the first round of the playoffs in another uh a very close game um you move over to 2005 uh you guys went 10 and 6 um you know one of the better teams in the league itself uh, and, and but unfortunately for you you get knocked off at Georgia in the very first round of the playoffs, um, it, it, for you, for you as a as a as a, a quarterback and going to the playoffs, I mean, do first obviously you want to. Your goal is to get a championship, an Arena Bowl championship. Is it frustrating as a as a starting quarterback or, or as a player really to know how well you did in a year and then just to get knocked off in, in the very first round? Yeah, oh, God, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's tough. It, it really is, and I'm sure you can hear that in yeah. my voice. Yeah. yeah, it's deflating. It freaking stinks. Like here, you know what? You you said that you're exactly right. So that year we went ten and six. We were the first team in arena football history to ever go eight and zero at home. Mm-hmm. Get to the second team in arena football history was to go eight and zero at home. The Georgia Force. Yep. Because they played after us, and they beat us twice. Or I'm sorry, they they had a point of margin of victory or some crap like that, <laughs> and that's why we had to go up and play them up there. Oh boy, oh, I, I'm sure many, many that, players can complain so much about that when it comes to the playoff rules and how to yeah. get into the playoffs in, in oh, arena, so, fo- arena football and how history. About this? So, and Tim, check this out. That game that we lost. People don't know this at all. I had a, a, um, uh, an attack, like a, an almond, like uh, allergic attack. Oh boy! Uh, the day before, no, the day uh, the day before, and I had to go get emergency shots, a steroid, and some kind of other thing in my ass. Both, I'm sorry, both butt cheeks. Yeah. By my, by my, um, yeah basically buy a doctor, pull my pants down, get them. And then the next day I had to go play the game. And that next day I ate honey nut Cheerios. Oh, well, man. they have almonds. In them. <laughs> oh man. Nobody told me that. So I was lethargic, at, you know, as a son of a gun, yeah. um, because I had to get another shot 
And, uh, yeah, but anyway, not making excuses. No. People don't know those things. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we did lose that game. And it does stink. It stinks to high heck um, about that stuff. But, you know, um, we did a lot of great things. Tim Markham is my guy, man. I love that guy to death. Uh, I just, goodness gracious, I, I just, I miss him, man. Yeah. I really do. I miss him. Had, had you known that you were allergic to almonds before that? No, I didn't. Really? I didn't. I used to sit at home. I used to sit at home and I'd eat almonds all the time. Wow. Um, you know, nuts are you know nuts are kind of good for you, especially almonds. Yeah. So I'd sit at home, eat almonds, and play you know video games or read a book or something. Eat almonds. Next thing you know, I got the hives, and uh, my face turned as about as red as the sun um, when it sets. <laughs> And, and my body started itching and everything, and, yeah, I couldn't breathe. Oh, boy. It wasn't good. Uh, in uh, 2006, uh, you actually set a career mark for touchdowns in a season. You broke your old record that you had with uh, with uh, uh, Tallahassee in the AF2. You had 86 touchdowns that year. As a quarterback in the AFL, and everybody's known that they're, the AFL, you're averaging 100 points a game. Yeah, you know, quarterbacks throwing for, for uh, you know, got up to 100 touchdowns a year. What was your thought when you, you I mean, you'd already thrown for 80 some odd in, in you, know, uh, you know, six years prior. But what was your thought when you reached that 86 mark? I mean, I, I can only imagine what you were thinking. I honestly didn't even know it. No, really? <laughs> I, yeah, I really didn't. I really, Tim, Tim, that's why I'm such a boring, like, sometimes I'm a boring person to, to talk about that stuff. I honestly didn't. I, I didn't know how many touchdowns I threw for. I didn't know any of that stuff. I didn't know that I was the first person to ever throw uh, back-to-back 400-yard games mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It's not until now that I go back and read the stuff that it's actually fresh in my mind. Yeah. Like, I have no idea. My biggest thing was I had goals in terms of percentages. Okay. If we had to fall um, 10 times, I wanted to score seven out of those 10 times. If I score seven out of those 10, we should be in good shape. Okay. I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, if we score eight out of those 10, we should be in good shape. You know, that kind of a thing. Um, and that, that was my, um, that was my, you know, perception on all this stuff. Okay. But as I got to learn the arena game, I'm like, oh, goodness, we need to basically score at least like 8.5% over the course of the year. Right. So we're, we should be averaging about, you know, 56, 58, 60 points a, uh, a game. And that's all I ever cared about. I didn't care how we scored. I didn't care um, when it came. It just, as long as we put up a certain amount of points, that would equal out to uh, a win. Okay. Uh, actually, 2006 was also a career year, a career year for you in all of your stats and completions, attempts, uh, yardage. You beat your, your old record from uh, when you were playing with Tallahassee. Um, it, it sounds like you, like, and this is what I seem to be get, get when I speak with a lot of players, is that, you, you, as you said, you, don't, you didn't know of a particular stat or a particular number that you had reached. You weren't necessarily a stat guy. You were a team guy, and you wanted to get the W. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's pretty much it. And that's, that's how everybody gets recognized. I wanted to be a Mark Reed. Right. Mark Reed, 
to this day, um, in my opinion, Mark Reeve is the best quarterback to ever play this game. Wow, nice. Uh, he, he, I love the guy. I, um, I have so much admiration for him. Um, he, that's why San Jose was always such a freaking, um, when we beat him, when I say him talking about San Jose, when we beat them, the opening game of, uh, I forget what season it was, but it was like my best game I've ever played in this game, period. Even better than the, uh, the game I told you about in, in LA. Yeah. But uh, it was at home. It was our opening game, and I think we scored 63 points, and uh, I just balled. Like, everything was on point. But Mark Greve would bring the best out of me because that guy was hands down the best quarterback to ever do it, hands down, point blank. I don't know why he wasn't in the NFL. Hmm. It's, well, you know what? We're going to have to make sure that we get him on the on the pod here and, and hear about his stories because it's true. Anybody who looks at that at Arena Football League history, you can see where Mark Grebe is when it comes to quarterback. So, um, a big change for you heading from 2006 to 2007. You go from one legend to another legend. Uh, you you are I think you're signed as a free agent with the Orlando Predators, and you go from Coach Markham yeah. as your coach to Jay Gruden as your head coach. What uh, what was the process uh, on them to uh, to try and entice you to come to Orlando? Yeah, have you ever seen Have you ever seen Tim watched uh, John Gruden on ESPN? Yes, I have. He's pretty captivating, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah, that's what got me. Oh, really? So it was Jay? Was it? But who recruited you though? Was it John or was it Jay? Well, I want to. I want to at least ask. I, I at least want to ask this question because this is one thing I do know. This time during the yeah. Arena Football League, right before, and we'll talk about the the the, the downfall of the league in 08, But I have to at least ask this question because I do know at that time, because of the uh, the way the the current CBA was made and the current uh, and the way that the current salary structure was, you know, the Arena Football League, the, the teams had about a, a about a about a two million dollar salary cap that they were able to offer players from across the league in order to come and play for them. And obviously you have big te- big names like Orlando, Tampa's, the San Jose's, et cetera, to try and entice these players to come and play for them. That's why I asked you the question that I did, because I do know, and I think it was either 07 or 08, that you were one of the top 10 paid quarterbacks in the Arena Football League at that time. You were paid about $115,000. So, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily what made the, what, what, the reason why you went to Orlando, and that's and that's why I asked you what was the what were the circumstances that got you to Orlando? I mean, I, and I don't I'm not no one, no I'm not the one to talk about money, Shane. I'm not and not at all. I understand. Yeah, why. no, you're fine. Yeah. You're good. I'm not. I'm not. You know, it's, obviously, one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars is a huge amount for you and your family to and to play quarterback for you know just to play pro football. In your opinion, right. was it the team and how you were recruited? that really made your decision or did possibly the money uh, make part of your decision to go play for Orlando? The money had nothing to do with it. I'm going to, I'm going to get that clear right now. Okay. The money had no, the money was nothing. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about that. And the reason I set this all up and I loved him, how you, uh, you know, went about the question and everything. This is what happened with it. So I was with Tampa for what, six, seven years, right? right? Yes. And 
who else was with Tampa for a long time and then moved on to Orlando? He had a, he had quite a quite a few players. As a, <laughs> as, a as a quarterback. Oh, as a well, as a quarterback, I mean, you didn't have to deal with him in 07. I mean, it was only Jake Eaton as your understudy, so to speak. Jake, no, 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 no. Who else played in Tampa as a quarterback and then went to Orlando? Oh, you mean Jay Gruden? Correct. Yeah. All right. So I'm hearing all these things, right, about how Jay, you know, Jay has this offense. Um, in Orlando that he's doing, that he, that he does. And it's not just, uh, one set of things that he does. And, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, he runs the, the ship the same way Markham does, but his offense is better and this and that. I, I'm going to tell you like this, Tim, it was either going to be Tampa, Orlando, or Georgia. Okay. I, I was probably going to go to Georgia before I go to uh, to uh, um, Tampa, okay. Crazily as it seems, and uh, and I'm gonna t- I'm I'm finish this up with something that's gonna blow your mind. Okay. Um. So so uh, you know, and and it all had to do with I wanted to be on a team because I I like at the time I felt like Coach Markham. I'm like Coach. I went into him <clears throat> and I told him. I said, Coach, I'll take a pay cut to keep these guys here. So to answer your question about that 115, 120, 110, one whatever, I told him, I said, Coach, I will take a pay cut right now to stay here if you can guarantee that you're going to sign this guy and that guy. And I'm not going to tell you who those guys are, okay. but they were on the defensive line. Okay. Okay? So I went to him. And I said that, and he was like, I'm not going to let anybody tell me who I'm going to sign, you know, and I respected that. So we went, this was during the season, during the season. So we go into the off season. Now, me and Pat O'Hara, we're talk because we're tight, man. Pat O'Hara and I, we're like freaking blood brothers. And Pat said to me, he was like, so getting to the off season, Pat's like, are you going to come back or not? And I was like, Pat, I'm going to go explore what's going on because I've already talked to him about like what I, I don't even want that much. I just want to know if he's going to be willing to pay other people to come here. And, and, and coach didn't give me that number. He didn't, he didn't respond. So I was like, okay, fine. So I'm going to go explore and maybe he'll respond sooner. And uh, so then I went and explored. I went on a recruiting visit up to uh, Georgia. I went on a recruiting visit up to uh, Orlando, the Georgia Force and the Orlando Predator and everything. And Pat was like, man, coach is worried you're not going to come back. I was like, Pat, just tell him to throw me a number, man. Just tell him, just tell him to give me something. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, he wants you to give him something. I'm like, come on, Pat. You know I'm not going to do that. I said, that's not smart on my part. I'm like, no. And uh, so he never gave me a number. And then it came between Georgia and Orlando because the reason it started, it became that was because Markham's freaking stubborn behind. He didn't want to open up 
and say he was wrong and keep me. Now, granted, he got a great quarterback. He got a great quarterback with um, uh, Brett Dietz, mm-hmm. and that's awesome. Um, and that's the reason I left Tampa was because me and Marco, man, we never talked, and that is a lesson I will never, ever, ever lose sight of because if you don't talk with somebody, how do you know what's in their head, in their heart? And, uh, man, and then the guy dies and, you know, like he and I have had so many conversations right. before he passed away. But moving forward about this whole uh, conversation about me going to, uh, to Orlando, I went on a recruiting visit up to, you know, up to Atlanta. I was in the car. And uh, freaking Jay Gruden, who's probably one of the funniest people ever. Oh, he's like, what are you on a recruiting visit right now up there? And he offered me the money. And, uh, you know, I was mad, though. I was mad. The fact that he let Ernest Allen go from from uh, Orlando, because I expected to go play with Ernest Allen, Greg White, and... Um, and the other uh, D linemen they had. Right. And that's why I went to Orlando. I went to Orlando. My thing was I wanted to go to a team that put defense first, and that's what Tampa always used to be about. Right. And then the past couple years, I felt like Tampa just wasn't about that. I've, and that's that's my mistake. I should have talked to Markham. I should have said, Coach, what the frick are we doing with the defense, what can I do to help you with it? Like, how can we come together? And, you know, that whole scenario, Tim, has taught me so much about how to communicate with people because you always assume somebody's going to uh, do what, what you think they're going to do. Right. But it has nothing to do with that, man. It's all about just, you know, you've got to communicate with people in order to get it done. Okay, makes sense. Now I, I I have to ask you too: is that you're you're basically going from one team to the enemy? How did <laughs> how did obviously you, you know you're you're now with a new team, and I'm sure you know uh, Coach Gruden did the exact same thing because he did the, he did the exact same thing. He went from the storm and he went to the enemy down I four. What did you get much hate from fans, or were they were or any of your fans? Uh, were they did they understand, or was it like how could you go to the enemy? It was a mix. It really was. Yeah. It really was a mix. Um, yeah, you, you had you know. <laughs> let me put it like this: um, there was one time where uh, I won a game in Orlando, and uh, there was a guy with a Joe Hamilton jersey on because right. he had the same number as me. So that guy was cheering for me when we won that game. Then there was another time where I played awful, and uh, I thought he had a Joe Hamilton jersey on, and he's telling me I suck. (laughs) And he turns around, and it had a Stafford name on the back of it (laughs) because we had the same. So that's where that went. All they wanted to do in Orlando is win. All they want to do in Tampa is win. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was – you want to talk about regret? There's only one thing I ever regret, and it's not that I regret leaving Tampa to go to Orlando. I don't care if I'd have went to Indiana or 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 any other team or uh, Albany or Philly or whatever. Yeah. 
I regret leaving the Tampa Bay market because the Tampa Bay market, they are some of the best fans ever when it comes to arena football. And I took that for granted. And I do regret that. I really, really do. I still have some of the best friends um, that are Tampa fans. And I love those fans. And, you know, that was something that I had to learn the hard way. What was it like, Jay, versus the other head coaches that you had as, as, a, as a quarterback? Well, here's the thing. Jay, Jay was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, as far as Jay is concerned, against all the other coaches, Jay always Jay taught me so much about the game. And that's part of the reason that I wanted to go play for Jay okay. is I wanted to learn more. I wanted to learn more than what I learned with, um, with coach Markham and coach Markham taught me a ton. Coach Markham taught me so much in so many realms that normal quarterbacks would never get taught. Now with going with Jay, it was all about coaching the quarterback. It was all about, giving the quarterback different reads, uh, a three-step. And if you went five steps, you would always have a man read and a zone read. So if they did a certain thing, you could go to your right side or the middle or to the left, depending upon the pre-snap read and your, in, in your drop type of uh, read. So not a lot of people did that in the arena league because they didn't know that was possible because a lot of teams either played man and they showed it or they played zone and they showed it. Okay. So what the thing was is with, with all that, Jay did a great job of creating different matchups with personnel and with formation. And that was awesome. Okay. What was it like being a, uh, being a starting quarterback in the jungle versus you being an opposing quarterback in the jungle? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> well, uh, here, I, I can give you a couple stories about that. Well, let's, let's do it like this. Okay. Short story, being, being an opposing quarterback in the jungle, you're definitely going to get a beer thrown on you. Oh, great. All right, hands <laughs> down, something is going to happen, and you will have – Something thrown on you, whether it's a beer, a Coke, or whatever it is, it's going to get thrown on you. Um, Now, I will say this, playing in the jungle uh, for the team that actually plays in the jungle and is called the uh, Predators, you may have a fan that is clapping one moment and then the next moment trying to throw a beer on you <laughs> if you don't play well. So, so it's two ways. Yeah. You gotta, you know what it reminds me of? It's, uh, the jungle is awesome. Yeah. Playing in Orlando is like playing in Philly. It reminds me of playing and being hometown. Okay. Okay. That makes a, actually, that, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> So glad to get out of that dang time travel machine. Where'd you go? I went back to the 80s to grab some of that good, good sports merch from my favorite defunct franchises. I spent my life savings on that machine. You bought a time travel machine to buy sports merchandise? Yeah, gladly. 
you know you could have gone to 503 Sports, right? The the website? Uh, yeah, no, I didn't think of that at all. Yeah, they sell all sorts of throwback sports merch from leagues like the World Football League, XFL, UFL, and the Arena Football League, several others. Uh, oh, shoot. Yeah, they sell hats, shirts, even custom jerseys from all sorts of vintage sports teams. Oh, man, I spent, like, a lot of money on that time travel machine. Well, look, listeners of AFL Rewind get 10% off their first order by using the promo code ARENAFAN at checkout. That might help you out. Yeah, it does. Go on over to 503-sports.com and, and get your merch today. Do you know anyone who wants to buy, like, a overpriced time travel machine? No, no, sorry, I, I don't. The Arena Football Hall of Fame has returned, and we want you to become a part of the family. Introducing the Arena Football Hall of Fame Patreon. Whether an all-star or a Hall of Famer, our reasonably priced tiers each have their own exclusive perks. Early access to the AFL Rewind podcast, honorary selection committee member, and much more. Help us build a Hall of Fame we'll all be proud of. Head to patreon.com slash Fame to join um obviously uh we come across 08 and 08 is probably one of the you know one of the darkest times one of the darkest times in arena football league history uh obviously with uh, the the announcement of the commissioner at the arena bowl that he is not going to be coming back in 2009 and then obviously after the arena bowl uh, the the talk of the league folding this commissioner stepping down etc what 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 was your reaction when you first heard that the Arena Football League was going to suspend operations and not return in two thousand nine? Mm. It wasn't good. It was sad. Yeah. It was uh it was uh it was tough. Like it was something that it was something that you build up your whole life and you get a chance to to actually uh do something you love and inspire and then yeah it's just it gets taken away from you man yeah. it hurt you know yeah it just hurt and obviously at that the, and and you were out of a job summarily right at that point you you weren't going to be playing slash working anymore I, I can only imagine what it was like as a, as a player yeah 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 you're out of a job um no doubt but it's it, it's so much deeper than that. It's like everything you put into, and you really believe that. Holy crap! You know, I can make a a career out of this, and yeah. I could actually, uh, you know, I'm gonna get a chance to actually show what I can do. I'm gonna um, have influence in society. I'm gonna. Um, I'm going to actually be able to change lives. Yeah. I'm going to be actually be able to change my life. I'm going to actually be able to potentially uh, give myself an opportunity to, you know, hopefully give an opportunity to my nephew and niece and show them how they can make it out right. of the struggle, um, all that stuff, man. And then that happens. And uh, you know what sucks <clears throat> is – it was never explained to us as players. It wasn't. It was bullshit. Uh, we got we got screwed. We did as players. Um, the league <clears throat> they 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 totally uh, it, they weren't open um, about it. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, we all got screwed. I, I have to at least ask you this. Um, obviously, we, uh, we we mentioned before what 
you know, you had you had some some players making six figures. Uh, you know, Tony Graziani being one of the highest in the league. In your opinion, and I understand you always want to be paid for what you're worth. I fully understand that, Shane. We had some players who were making six figures. Do you yep. do you think the with the salary cap being at two point two million? Do you think yeah. that the the money aspect of the league and paying the players, even though they should be paid for what they're worth, do you think that that the that that was one of the downfalls of the league? Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And and I'll be honest with you, uh, Tim, um, you're exactly right. And and I'm gonna tell you like this: um, what I was getting paid as a quarterback wasn't. Sh- yeah compared to what other people were getting paid yeah. as quarterback. Yeah. Um, I, I had gotten a call from one of the higher paid quarterbacks when I went into my free agent year and he told me, Shane, don't take less than a hundred. Cause if you do that, you're going to set us all back. And I was like, well, I'm cool with like making 80, wow. you know, wow. I, I'm cool with making, you know, I'm cool with making 90, you know, and, and stuff like I'm, and he said, don't do that. If you do that, you're going to set us all back. And then, and then the thing is, if you do that, Shane, now everything, you know, people are going to base it off of your, uh, your year last year and you being one of the top five quarterbacks and now top five quarterbacks making only 80 and, and how are they going to adjust that, you know, accordingly? I was like, I don't know. I was like, this is the most money I've ever made. I yeah. don't care. Yeah. You know, but then he's like, hey, you got to do it for the league. Well, guess what? I did it for the league and then ended up screwing the league. Yeah. And, and you had shown, so, too, yeah. when, you, when you were being recruited, you, you as you said, you showed that you were a quarterback of the team. I'm not saying the other, this quarterback you're mentioning wasn't, but... You were showing that you were a quarterback of a team saying, telling Coach Markham, I'll take a pay cut so you can pay people more. So yeah. it's... You know, I, I did that I did that for Al Lucas. Yeah. I wanted Al Lucas to be on our team. Nice. That's who I did it for. Nice. I'll tell you exactly who I did it for. That's exactly who I did it for. Like, uh, I'm, like none of this is BS that I'm making up right. at all. Right. Like, there are guys, there are quarterbacks. You know what's messed up, Tim, and I don't give a ish what they say about me. Um, Cause I never, here's the thing about the arena football league. You're never going to make life changing money. Right. You're not. Okay. You're going to, you could make good money. You know, you could make six figures, good money. You could make 80,000 good money, but is that life changing money? Is that, is that $10 million a year? That's life changing money. Right. You're not going to make life changing money playing this game. And uh, I try and tell people that nowadays, don't don't expect life-changing money doing this thing. What you need to do is you need to change your life hmm. and take this money and use it the right way. Right. I wish I would have had somebody, I wish you would have had this podcast, but we don't know how to do these things back in the day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to listen to, because there is nothing, $100,000, that'll be good for one year. That's all $100,000 is worth. Like, it's not worth more than that because the more you make, the more you spend. Right. You know? Right. And, uh, and that was the biggest mistake I ever made was leaving Tampa for 
to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars to go play for uh, in with in Orlando with Jay Groot, mm-hmm. where I probably would have made a hundred thousand. I probably would have made a hundred thousand if I stayed here in Tampa. Okay, but I ended up making one hundred ten and one hundred twenty over in uh, Orlando. Right, and that that was just dumb. It was dumb. It was dumb on my part. And uh, I love Coach Markham so much, man. It, it was just stupid. So luckily for you, uh, you at least had another chance before you, <laughs> before you started your your coaching career. You had another shot with, with the new, really relaunched Arena Football League in 2010 with the Dallas Vigilantes, who was coached by James Fuller and by Rich and Gold. Um, yeah. Just record wide, and if I remember correctly, this the 2010 Vigilantes team was stacked on paper, but from obviously a three and thirteen record and two head coaches, I think that 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 says what, what how the team went right there, you know, paper versus right. reality. What was your what was your your thought about this brand new Arena Football League, basically on the same? Uh, it was run kind of sort of like the old AF2 was, so you knew exactly what it was kind of similar to. But what was your what was yep. your what was your thought on on the what, that your last year playing in the Arena Football League? Disappointment. Yeah, just thoroughly just disappointed. Um, disappointed in so many ways. The only thing that made me feel good, and I'll, I'll tell you the reason I went out there was because um, of the ownership group. Um, and that was the ownership group that used to own uh, the Tampa Bay Storm. And uh, they had hit me up and asked me to come out there, and so I did it. Yeah, Woody Kern, right? But I ended up, yeah, Woody Kern, exactly. So Woody Kerns and uh, his nephew, Bo, uh, great people. Um, so I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm still in shape. I can still play. I can do what I need to do. And uh, very first game, I ended up uh, having basically a career-ending injury on my foot. It a uh, Liz Frank fracture, and uh, actually I broke my finger, my uh, ring finger on my throwing hand uh, the first series, the, actually the first drive. Um, I hit it on somebody's helmet, broke my finger, and then in the third quarter coming out of uh, opening drive, Somebody landed on my foot, my left foot, as I was throwing, and uh, I had a Liz Frank fracture and broke all my, basically like, uh, I don't know how many metatarsals in my foot, tore ligaments in my foot, and um, I was ended up uh, ended up finishing the game. We lost by six. Hell, I threw seven touchdowns and over 300 and some yards and, you know, over 70% completion. Uh, but we ended up losing on that sack fumble that they freaking uh, fell on my foot. I, I ended up, unfortunately, uh, fumbling the ball when they shattered my foot. I don't know why anybody would drop a football when their foot gets shattered, but <laughs> I did it. <laughs> what was what was what was your and i know this is a weird question to ask but what was your mindset i mean you you had been relatively healthy for your entire career you'd gone through you know what happened with the the, the folding of the league in 08 but how how did you take was it your decision not to play again obviously you wanted to become you wanted to get healthy was it your decision to walk away as a player at that point uh, sometime during that uh, i guess 2010 yeah, it really was. Um, 
It was. I, I think uh, my heart wasn't in it anymore. Um, I just felt like, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, it just, you know, my heart and body wasn't in it in terms of uh, committing to playing the game. I still love the game, but I, I just, I just didn't, I didn't have the, because uh, I've come back from multiple injuries, right? Many injuries. And uh, nobody have ever known that I've come back from those injuries. But, yeah, I just, you know, I I just didn't feel like, I didn't feel like the league was committed to us anymore. Okay. And with that being said, I was like, I don't feel the need to uh, commit to the league anymore as a player. Right. And that's where um, I wish I would have just been, and took the stance uh, that, you know, maybe I, maybe I come back as a coach or maybe I come back as an ambassador or maybe I come back as, but at that time I was just so pissed off at the league. I was so pissed off at everything, you know, me going out the way I went out. Uh, this is the second time that I played professionally and both times. I didn't go out the way I wanted to go out. It was the league that took me out or it was an injury that took me out. Right. So I was just pissed off. And so I didn't, I didn't do anything to uh, really try and be a part of it. And then it took me uh, about two or three years to just kind of get myself together and be like, you know what, Shane, you have so much more to give uh, to this game and to this league and, and to help uh, so many people. Um, be better people uh, playing this game and, and after they play it. So that's until, you know, when I came back and uh, started being part of it again. Well, and I couldn't find any of this information, so maybe you can fill in the blanks for anybody. What uh, First, how long did it take you to get, uh, how long did you, how long did it take you to heal to get, to get, to get you back to the Shane, uh, to the Shane Stafford that you knew of? Oh, that's a whole other conversation that we can maybe have. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, it really is, uh, Tim. Um, I don't know if I feel comfortable talking about that that's just fine. yet. But, yeah, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, man, we can talk about it one day. I completely and, understand. And you'll, you'll, be, you'll be amazed. I completely, <laughs> I completely understand, man. I appreciate your honesty. Um, uh, then can you give a so you were were you out of football for six basically for five and a half to six years until you re, re uh till you resurfaced with Tampa Bay as or as their OC? No, uh, it about four or five years, four years, yeah. Okay, wow. Now, when you came back to to Tampa Bay in 2016, you were their offensive assistant coach. What uh, who who uh, convinced you to come back and and be a coach for the first time? Uh, that was me just kind of getting back into it and kind of forcing my way back into it. Okay. <laughs> Me being my old ignorant self and uh, basically telling people, you're not going to tell me no. Okay. Was it, was it different being, was it different being a, an assistant under Lawrence Samuels versus being a quarterback under Tim Markham? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was tough. Um, you know, the thing about it is I, I've known, you know, Derek Brooks, like, uh, you know, I've, I've met him through different, uh, different venues and everything like that. And, uh, you know, uh, actually, you know, going back in the Tempe community and, you know, I, I appreciated, uh, you know, the fact that everybody invited me in there 
And, uh, you know, Derek remembered me when I was with him with the Bucks and I was in the practice squad and all that kind of stuff. And so it was kind of cool that he, he uh, showed me that respect, uh, talking about Derek Brooks and everything like that. And obviously Law Dog, um, you know, Lawrence Samuel, mm-hmm. he, he, cool. he was really cool about some things. And then the following year they brought me on and everything because uh, there was a year prior to – where I was just almost voluntarily doing things, and they were just really cool about it. Oh wow! Okay, so you actually were you actually did resurface in 2015, kind of versus uh, being a full fledged yeah, coach yeah, in 2016. Yeah. Oh, okay, correct. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so they were really cool about that. What was it like being an offensive assistant for? And unfortunately, it is history—the worst season in Tampa Bay Storm history. How frustrating was that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Um, I don't even, how do you describe your worst day ever? Um, oh man. And it's not like you had a slouch at quarterback either. I mean, Jason Bolt has had made a name for himself in the arena football league. Yeah, I know, but there's so many things that went into that. Jason, Jason was a good quarterback. He was a very good quarterback and he's got a great quarterback mind. I just, let me leave this like this because I don't want to talk bad about anything because I, I have too much respect. Um, is I'd rather not talk about that season okay. so much because okay. I have an opinion, but I don't want to put it out there. Okay. No problem. No problem. In 2017, things were a hell of a lot better for you as a coach. You went 10-4, and four <laughs> and, you, and you had the amazing Randy Hippard as your quarterback, what was it like be, being able to be a coach for Randy Hippard? He was the most stubborn person I've ever coached, ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny how you can laugh about stubbornness, right, when you win, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. No, nah, he, he, uh, he was great to coach. He's one of the best. Uh, it was awesome to coach him. Uh, he and I, we our minds clicked. Um, you know, we actually, he, I, he, Myself, with him, and uh, with Coach James, heck, we used to go at battle and have battles. And uh, we didn't always agree, all three of us. And then we'd find a way to uh, say, okay, Hip, what do you like the best? And then we'd agree with that. We'd go with it. And and that's how we became with him, Joe Hills, and Lamarck, and Kendrick Ings. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had some we had some talent out there offensively and it just became, uh, you know, who's going to make a play. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned before, I know we talked about it before we started the, the interview itself, but what, what more can you say about coach James, man, coach James, he's one of the best guys. Uh, he's, he literally is like a big brother when it comes to coaching. He's, uh, he's a great man. He's an honest man. Like he, he just is like, He's one of the best people I've ever met. I'll never forget. I was nervous as hell when uh, he got hired uh, going into that Tampa Bay year in in uh, 17. And yeah, I, I remember shaking his hand, and I'm like, ah, I know him, but I don't know him. And, um, you know, and Coach, thankfully, you know, Derek Brooks put a good word in for me, and you know, I'm like, coach, how you doing? And blah, blah, blah. And I went in with a notepad and paper and this and that and pen and, you know, and, and, uh, he was extremely cautious 
and he asked me a ton of questions and he, he made me earn the opportunity to come coach. And, um, I'll never forget everything that he's taught me. Like he's taught me so much. Um, and just some of the little intricacies that, uh, people take for granted and sitting back in the cut and not even saying anything and just watching and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, he, he's just a guy that I respect way too much. I can't even put it into words. Um, he's up there with a, a Tim Markham, a Skip Holtz for me. Um, a, uh, you know, uh, just coaches that have influenced me, um, and had success in a major way. He's one of those guys, like he's tremendous. Yeah. Had you known before you had you known that Coach James was basically an arena football lifer before you had, I guess you could say you had interviewed with him to be his assistant OC. I did not. I did not, and and I feel like an ass saying that, but no, I didn't. I remember seeing his face, like I remember playing against him. I remember those things, but uh, he. He is an amazing guy, period. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's an awesome, awesome coach, no matter what. He deserves to be on an NFL sideline. Coach James is a very, is, he is does. A, he is a very good guy, I will admit. I will admit. I've met him many a time, and I, I would consider him a friend of mine also. Yeah. Um, in, uh, you know, it's funny. You, you're, you're dealing with this again in such a way where, in 2018, Tampa Bay doesn't come back. It's like, how can one of the, you know, one of the franchises in the Arena Football League not come back? But I think with the, considering at the time that the league was now down to four teams and and there had been a, I guess, a shift in how the Arena Football League was run again for, for the second time in, in eight years. Um, but yeah. you didn't come in initially as a coach in the Arena Football League at the start of 2018. You came in later on the year when there was a change of head coach. Um, yeah. How how did you get? Uh, how were you asked to join a team mid-season? Because I'm sure as a coach, it's not the easiest thing to do to come in, whether you're head coach, OC, or whatever, or an assistant OC. It's hard to come in as a coach halfway through a season. Well, Tim, I'll tell you this. I was pissed off that they didn't give me an opportunity to be the head coach prior to that season. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you. You're talking about up there in Washington. Yes. Yep. And um, so, you know, they did what they did. Now they ended up uh, firing the head coach, um, and they bring me in. I always had confidence. Look, Tim, no matter where I go, especially in Arena League, I have so much confidence in the offense that I that I'm going to run. I'm fine with it. Um, I, I think my concepts. I know, not think. I know the concepts that I have. I know uh, if I have the right personnel and everything like that, I can put them in a good position to make plays. So when um, they brought me in to uh, to the DC area in Washington and everything like that, as a matter of fact. Um, I was wearing their, uh, the Valor hat today. Um, you know, I felt confident. I, I truly did. And all they need to do is understand some of the, uh, some of the concepts that I want to run and this and that and everything and understand what I want to do and how I want to go about it. Right. And then, 
everything like that. But uh, having uh, – who was our quarterback then? God, dog, I can't remember his name. Uh, who was our quarterback? Well, you had a few. At the beginning, it was Nick Davley before he got hurt. Uh, yeah, and then Nick. Uh, Arvell it, Nelson, Warren Smith, Shane Austin. Yeah, Arvell. Yeah. Yeah, we did have, we did have, we did have a bunch. But Nick, first of all, Nick Davila, oh my God, let's rewind there. You talk about a great guy, great team leader, a winner, a champion, uh, all that kind of stuff. I love that dude. I was so happy that I had a chance to uh, work with him a little bit while I was up there in D.C. And then the fact that he had that injury he had, I just, man, I have so much respect for him to come back. And Nick is one of the best football minds I've ever been around. Great, great, great young man. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be successful. I promise you he's going to be. You know, and then you talk about, you know, Shane Austin and obviously Warren Smith, you know, those guys. And then we had the last one you said. Arvell. Arvell, absolutely. Arvell is like, I just almost feel like he's like a little brother kind of a deal, our relationship, Mm -hmm. you know. And we just ended up clicking. And, uh, you know, once we started clicking and everything started going right, boom, we had a chance to win. Because Arvell, when he's hot, he's hot to tot and hot to win. Yep. And that's what he did for us. And he won a lot of games. That's that. That is that is true. I mean, you know, at first in that in that 2018 season, you know, uh, unfortunately, D.C. was known for for stalling really in the third quarter. Uh, it was very well known mm-hmm. that, that D.C. was not able to score for whatever reason in the third. But, you know, with you coming in, they, there were some, some modifications and uh, there was some change and obviously an increase in your scoring during the time that, that you were there. Uh, yeah. Before we get to the uh, the run to the Arena Bowl, I have to at least ask you because, Shane, watching you on television, you actually became <laughs> kind of a star on TV because obviously with with it being mic'd up and the games being on live on television and stuff like that, you are one hell of a character while you are a coach. And I think that's one of the things why we like the Arena Football League so much is because when they mic up the, the coaches you get to see a different, possibly a different side of football where you're not thinking, I have a mic on me, I need to watch what I say. That's not necessarily the case. Right. And that's what made a, a, a star out of who, who you were. Even, as I said, even though you, were, you weren't the head coach, you were the OC. So did you, right. did you get any feedback from anybody about becoming this new, I guess, TV star, star so to speak, when you, you were mic'd up? <laughs> <laughs> Nah, dude, trust me, brother. Look, I'm going to be who I am. And, and uh, you know, here's the thing. Luckily, because Pat O'Hara and luckily because some other people, I've already been in front of a TV camera. Right. I've gotten uh, residual checks and everything like that. You will, no matter what, I promise you this, Tim, you will always get 100% of me. And some people may not like it. Some people may love it but it will always be 100% about what I'm about. Mm. And when, especially when we get on that field, oh, my goodness, yes. And, and that's, uh, you know, that one time when I – there's been a couple times I'm like, oh, shit, wait, did I just fuck up? Yeah. I'm like, damn it, I just – damn, I just said – I just screwed up again, didn't I? Damn it. <laughs> you know, like, 
I just, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, I get so engulfed in the moment, and I care about the moment, and and uh, that's how I live my life, man. Uh, Tim, that's how I live it. Yeah. It's moment by moment, frame by frame, and you know, when you talk about a TV standpoint, I'm all about that. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes it bites me in the ass. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the also the claim to fames for you that year. Uh, with DC is the the infamous quote, and I'm saying this this way because I'm hoping you'll shed some some light on this. The infamous quote unquote <laughs> fight between you and uh, Coach McDowell over how I guess how <laughs> the plays were supposed to be run. It was I guess a version between either kill the clock yeah. because in 2018 that was the newest thing. Nobody in Arena Football League had really seen a team. Take advantage of the clock and just kneel. That's never been seen really in Arena Football League history, but you and Coach McDowell did just that. You you created right. something new. Can you give us any insight on that that infamous head to head between you? That I don't want to say fight, but that that argument between you and Coach McDowell. I don't know. Was that correct? Well, I I think so. I think the the, the whole running thing was amazing. Okay, then yes, I'll give you all the insight you want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm messing with you, man. I'm messing. <laughs> See, that's just me being me. That's yeah. me being me. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> no, exactly. No, it's it's something that I learned from, um, you know, just being with different coaches. Like, you learn things. And I told him, I'm like, no, we need to do this. No, no. And you know what? That got me fired. That right there got me fired the next year. Ah, okay. Okay. But it, so you can put that out there. Okay. It, it was that, that. You know what? Honestly, Tim, that conversation got me fired the next year. Something that won us the arena ball. Because it was on TV, got me fired. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, one other thing I wanted to ask before we talk about your run to the Arena Bowl and then your... your, your and that's time. something, and, and real quick, yeah. that's something I learned from Ron James. That is something I learned from Coach James on how to manage. Coach James always taught us, we used to spend 10 minutes after every practice on how to manage situations like that. Okay. And Ron James taught me that, and I brought that over to the Washington team. Okay. And I brought that over there, and then next thing you know, it gets on TV. <laughs> and because I stood up for myself, and what I knew was right, I ended up getting fired. I'm not going to tell you the conversation that happened, okay. Okay. but that was the reason I got fired. One other thing I, I was wondering if we can get some some clarity on because I was going to ask you about before when you got originally got hired uh, halfway through the season in DC. Do you have any idea uh-huh. why the team was so quiet on hiring you? They never put out a press release stating that you were hired by the team. Mm, same reason that they uh, never told you why I got fired. Okay. Okay. Who? Do you, who? But I don't want to look. I love. I love Benji McDowell. I love him. Right. He's a he's a friend. Um, I'm not going to talk bad about him. I get it. I understand. Ever. I understand. But at the same time, sometimes there are some people that are better suited. Okay. Understood. 
Let's talk about your run, man. You go up against one of the hottest teams in Arena Football League history in the Albany in the Albany Empire, but with a with an interesting twist. And I wanted to hear what your thoughts were from a play from a player and a coach standpoint. For the very first time in Arena Football League history, it went to a two game aggregate series in the playoffs. Something that had not been seen since the, since the CFL in the eighties. Right. First, when you heard that it was going to be a two-game aggregate, what was your first thought? Kind of cool, um, but a little bit gimmicky. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that basically was it. Okay. Now, luck, luckily for this gimmick, because it was a two-game aggregate, you, have, you, did lose the, know. <laughs> you, you, you lost the first game by one point in overtime. You had that second chance, yeah. and you knocked off Albany at home to advance to the Arena Bowl. Even though this team was two and ten in the regular season, teams know, and we've seen, and in any league, you get hot, you can easily win the championship. And you had just knocked off the, one of the best teams in, in history to go to the Arena Bowl. What was what was your thought? What were your thoughts when you when you when that uh, when the clock struck zero in Albany? Holy, <laughs> um, you know, I'll be honest. Um, here's the thing. When when uh, when they beat us down in uh, in, in uh, DC, um, I was like they deserve to go. I, I really did think that. I mean, it was a great game. It was a uh, it was just a hard fought game. It was a hell of a play call by Les Moss, who's a legend mm-hmm. um, in this game. He's been around this game for what twenty seven thirty years or whatever. I don't know, uh, but. Uh, you know, it was an amazing play call, and I stole that play call uh, everywhere I go. I, I have that play call in my back pocket now. Um, so he took it out at the right time. But when we beat them up there, um, there was a major play. There was a fourth down in the first quarter, uh, first drive, that it was fourth down in like 10, and uh, we ended up throwing a comeback. And it went for a touchdown. If we don't get that, I don't think we win that game. And uh, Doug, uh, not Doug, um, it's Doug, uh, what the hell is it? Like? I don't know. Doug McNeil. But anyway, point is, yeah, McNeil. Um, if he doesn't catch that uh, ball and, and that doesn't go for a touchdown, I don't think we win that game, to be honest. That crowd was crazy. Mm-hmm. They were excited. They were hyped. They were ready. And then we just took all the energy out of them. And, um, you know, that's the same thing I felt when we were in Atlantic City with, with, with uh, when I was in Atlantic City and we missed that two-point conversion, yeah. um, you know, and, and uh, whatnot. But it, it was awesome um, to be able to beat them up there. Albany is an unbelievable place to play. It's so competitive. The fans understand the game. It's truly amazing. And it's so sad that they're not going to have an arena football team up there next year. Yeah. Um, you finally, for you, you finally break that streak. It's the first time you've been to the arena, to the arena football championship. You go and you're playing yeah. in Baltimore um, after, I guess, I know you weren't able to play uh, at home because of the whatever the changes. Right. They're, they're making changes to the arena or whatnot. But you go into Baltimore. Right, right. You go into Baltimore. You know you're you're playing, uh, basically a. It's very similar to what the War and I four was. These two, these two teams, and you got to admit, these two, you you and Baltimore did not like each other. Right. But this was, you know, coming away. You actually 
came away with your very first championship as a player and as a coach. You knocked off, you know, you knocked them off in Baltimore, 6955, um, on a, a historic day by Arvell Nelson rushing. What um when that and now this time when the clock struck zero, what what were your, what were your thoughts being a first time champ? Oh man, it, it's uh it's all about the players. It really is. And and you hit the nail on the head when you said a historic day about Arvell rushing. I told him going into that game, you have to win the game with your feet. Like you're gonna have to 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 do that. You know um because. They're going to be doing other things, buying, doing different things like that. And he ended up doing it. Like, um, you know, there were times where he'd come off to the sideline. And I'm like, hey, look, if it's not there, just run. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. And and he did it. And there would be times where I'm like, hey, look, just throw it over here. If it's not there, go. You know, that kind of stuff. And to Arvell's credit, that dude believed in what we were coaching he believed in what he and I, our relationship, what we had, and uh, he ended up making the best out of it and the most out of it. And it all goes out to him because without players, coaches aren't poop. Mm-hmm. Understood. Understood. Now, as we, as you mentioned before, the, uh, uh, I guess we could say a falling out because of a of a possible certain conversation with a head coach in I don't DC. Know what you're talking about. Um, you. Uh, you uh you end up with a gentleman you've had as a head coach before and you're also now officially his OC. Uh how much convincing did it take for coach James to ask you to come and be his OC in Atlantic City? None. <laughs> Should I go more than that or <laughs> That's that's perfect. <laughs> I'm guessing None. It, it was based off of your your previous history with coach James even though it was just a, a couple years prior, right? Something about him. Yeah, the only thing the only thing that would have taken me away from coaching with him is if I would have gotten my own head coaching job. Okay. Okay. Now, being that the Arena League did expand, and I, I can ask this question to you now, uh, the expansion yeah. to six teams, were you a finalist for any of the new teams coming in? I don't know. I mean, nobody knows. That's the thing. Like, But were you interviewed, though, From Shane? what I understand. What's that? Were you interviewed for one of the head coaching jobs in 2019? Uh, yes, okay. but no. Like, it, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> there was no, yeah, it, it was so gray. It yeah. was so gray. It really was. But, yeah, it was. Okay. All right. Um, obviously, Atlantic City had had a history of indoor football before. Hadn't been very successful, but I think, you know, th- there were there skeptics in, in Atlantic City. Uh, being that it is, it is a considered it's a destination city. Um, what um, what were your thoughts at first when you um, obviously you find out you're going to be staying at one of these giant uh, 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 hotels and resorts on the boardwalk? Um, when you first saw the arena at first, what, what what were your thoughts? I hope a quarter wins a thousand. <laughs> That's what I was hoping. <laughs> No, that's not what you're looking for. Well, All right. Well, I can ask um, you. Well, I can ask. It's, it's funny you bring that up because everybody knows Atlantic City is second to gambling than it is yeah. to, to to Vegas. Was the gambling <laughs> aspect and uh, a distraction to you, the players, the coaches, or was it you were uh, you had been around long enough that it was you were blocking it out? It definitely wasn't a distraction for me. Okay. Um, I am not a gambler. I never 
have been. Uh, some of the players, um, like they would come in with stories every now and then. I don't think, I don't think. Here's the deal: we stayed far enough away, so I don't think it was that big of a deal. I think uh, the gambling came from after the games or something like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, it wasn't that big of a deal. Okay. But uh, it's always fun. It's always fun to bullshit. You know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, that season, I think you went on. It's very rare in the Arena Football League that a team has to go on the road for four straight games. Um, how tough was that four-game stretch in the latter half of the season? You went to Columbus, Philadelphia, Albany, and Washington. You were you were in uh, you know you were in those games, uh, but it's you know how tough is that as a team to, to to be away from home that for you know for that amount of time. Yeah, it sucks. Um, it was terrible, especially when, um, especially when you're a brand new team and you're gone for that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, you're trying to build up your own type of uh, influence in the community and everything like that, and then you're gone for four weeks straight. That is a problem, no doubt. It's a problem, but you know what? At the end of the day, it does help present something positive. Um, it can help uh, build uh, camaraderie and everything like that. And you know what? With the leadership we had with our team at the time, I didn't foresee that as being a huge problem because um, we had some great leadership. We had guys that were veterans. We had guys that were ready to uh, you know, show all the young bucks, the few young guys that we had, uh, show them exactly what to do and how to do it. Hmm. So it wasn't that big of a deal. It was just a matter of making plays. Okay. Yeah. Does that time away from home? Does it? Does it get you guys closer as a family? No doubt it does. It always does. Yeah. Yep. Especially with uh, a good uh, group of uh, leadership. Yeah. Um, obviously, one of the one of the, the the bad things that did occur in 2019 that kind of did dis- uh, uh, to derail your 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 dry your, your run to to get into the playoffs was with Randy Hippard going down. Obviously you had a, a very capable backup in Warren Smith who did some amazing things uh himself near the end of the year, but uh, for you as the OC, how tough was it losing Hippard as your starting quarterback? Oh man, that hurt. That hurt because Hip Hip's like um you know, he's like uh He's like a brother. Yeah. He really is. Um, and, and and so is Warren, to be honest with you. I treat both of those guys like, you know, uh, two brothers that, uh, that, that I had. You know what I mean? As growing up type of thing. And, um, you know, Hippert, unfortunately, Hippert grew up so much on his own um, type of thing. And then he and I were able to come back and be together in Tampa, a while back, and Hippert had a couple knee injuries and this and that. And then you have Warren Smith, and when Hip went out, I mean, that's why we had Warren, and we were fortunate enough to have Warren. Hmm. But at the same time, we didn't want to lose Hip. Um, it, it just, uh, you know, but when we did lose him, it was we were so grateful to have somebody like Warren there. Um, I just feel bad for Hippert because I understand – how that situation works as a player because I was that guy. Yeah. I was the player that lost the rest of his season due to an injury and possibly his entire career yeah. due to an injury. 
um, so with with Warren, you know, Warren came in. He provided a lot of great things. Um, he can move well in the pocket. He's accurate. He throws the deep ball well, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Warren always prepared himself as if he was the starter. And, um, and it showed. So I give him a ton of kudos for that. You, as I said, you, you, you did well to the, I mean, just the, the games itself. I mean, you, you may have been four and eight that season, but uh, you had some great matchups. And, and it said just one player here, one play there, you could easily have been in the playoffs. I mean, only lo- you, yeah. know, you lose by, unfortunately, you give Columbus their first win ever in a heartbreaking game. Um, uh, yeah, you, you almost beat Albany. You only lose by two there. Philadelphia, a game that I was at, uh, uh, you guys took them basically to the max also. From there, I, I, what I want to say, what I want to ask you, just based off of that, I mean, yeah. how, to, in your opinion, record aside, yeah. how good yeah. was this Atlantic City team? Ooh, ooh. We were good enough to compete, without a doubt, for the, uh, the championship. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And I appreciate you asking that, because um, there is... Nothing that uh, when we were healthy, we were as good as any team, and we had the playmakers to do what needed to be done in order to win those games. Okay. Unfortunately, again for you, and I feel so bad. It's like, you know, you we find out what happens, and everybody knows what happens at the end of the 20, 2019 season. The Arena Football League, based off of whether some people say it was because of that $2.5 million lawsuit uh, from the previous regime, or it was other things. The Arena Football League decides that they are going to suspend operations once again um, and may never play again. But that's, that's, that's for the future, to, well, for us to find out in the future if it'll ever come back. But where, where were you, Shane, when you found out that the, uh, that the league had folded once again? Oh, God. Um... I was in the same mindset. Oh man, same mindset I was when it said it back in two thousand six, seven or eight, whatever it was, yeah. two thousand eight, twenty oh eight. Yeah, and what I mean by that is just not cool, man. It's just not. It's it's it's. They want people to commit. They want greatness to commit to this league, but yet they cannot find a way to commit to the players, to the coaches, to the uh, ambassadors, to the to guys like you. But yet this league wants to continue on. That's where I am. Right. As soon as it happened, that's where my mind went. It doesn't matter physically where I was because physically is irrelevant. But mentally, I'm just like, wow, this is the third time now. Because this happened way back in 1997 uh, or eight, yeah, yeah. two thousand, actually, two so, thousand, actually, two thousand, two thousand, two thousand, yeah. So I've been in all three of these because I graduated from college in ninety eight, ninety nine, and what I'm telling you, Tim, is I've been through all three of these mother. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when are people going to start thinking about other people? Right. When are we going to start being so, like, just uh, uh, stop being selfish and start, like, start thinking about others. 
I've told you about my mistakes as far as, you know, yeah, did I take too much money, you know, getting uh, $110,000? Yeah, I probably should have taken 80000 But $40,000, yeah, okay, that's what it is, what it is. But my thing is this, Tim, when the f- is the league, when is the ownership, when is the, the people with all the capital, when are they going to start stepping up? And they say, oh, we're doing this. No, they're doing this for a f***ing show. Right. They're doing this because they want to just be cool. They're doing this because, like, a guy like uh, the glove. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know who he is. Yep. And guys like him, all right? Because they want to look cool. No, do this sh- because it's the right thing to do. Mm. That's my point. And you're leaving people hanging out high and dry. Okay, I I, I fully. So I don't know if that I don't know if that's what you wanted to hear or no, not, but no. it's, that's it's, my true feeling. It, man. It, it's always it's always interesting between to hear what the players think, and that that that's what I want to find out because the fans can think one thing, but we may not necessarily know what the what the coaches or players or ex- the executives are thinking. So it's it's always yeah. it's always a good way to you know to get a good another perspective. So. Um, yeah, I I have to ask you this because I, I think I warned I warned you before that I reached out to Coach James and I said I'm going to be interviewing you and I wanted to know if he yeah. had if he had a question that he that he wanted me to ask you yeah. and I I hope we can end on a happy note here because this is what he asks he goes <laughs> he goes ask him. If he is an expert at setting up the utilities and cable at apartment complexes for the team. <laughs> oh my god, I can't <laughs> Oh my god. Yes. All you gotta do is have <laughs> Oh my gosh. He's such an ass <laughs> I hate him. I hate him. <laughs> blah blah. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get his ass. I'm gonna get his ass. That's awesome. Well dude, that is awesome. One thing I I love him. One thing I, I do wanna do is um before uh we finish up, I at least I have to ask you a question. I've been asking everybody that I've spoken with, uh that we've been entering on this uh, on this series of historical podcasts, Shane, is um if if you were to say anything to the fans that you played for, that you coached for all these years what what would you want to tell them i just truly truly i can't um i will never ever be able to fully comprehend how much it meant to them as a player um you know when when we would go out on the field as a player and you'd see these fans and they'd all be uh out there doing their thing um, and yelling at us and this and that. But until now, I never truly comprehended that until now. And I just say to these fans, um, continue to do what you're doing as AFL fans. Um, the Arena Football League, that league is a special, special group of players as well as a special group of fans. And I will tell you this. There is nothing greater than those fans, and there is nothing greater than those players because those players 
have developed a new way of football. The fans have developed a new way of cheering for football, Mm -hmm. and that's what I would say. I want to thank Shane for coming on the podcast for this episode. And as I mentioned to you before, I mean, it, it, I, and I hope, it, I hope I was right what I mentioned before the interview itself that you could tell he was so emotionally invested in the AFL. Um, not necessarily for how long he was in the league, but for how certain things really meant to him. And, and you know what? Shane's a character. That's what I, that, that's what I love about Shane. He's a character. He tells his stories, didn't hold anything back. And I hope you enjoyed it. And again, that's that's the point of of this series of, of podcasts. Um, if you are wanting to listen to any of the other podcasts within our AFL Rewind archive, you can do so by heading over to SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and our audio version over on YouTube. If you have any suggestions for any you know future players personnel etc that you'd like to see us try and get on on the uh, on the podcast well you can email myself ben and john at afl rewind at arenafan.com so we want to wish you all the best we want to make sure that you do stay healthy it is a very unique and trying time that we're having currently in the world and we're just happy to uh to be able to bring you uh, along for the ride and hopefully you're able to escape for this you know anywhere from 60 60 to 120 minutes that uh uh, to tell these stories. So so for everybody here at AFL Rewind, I'm Tim Capper. Watch the rebound off the net.